David, I'm not gonna lie, man. This was a really, really fun episode. Um, you know, talk about uh, stewarding God's money and um, and building wealth the right way. Uh, Lajuan has a lot to say. Uh, there are some gold bombs dropped in this episode. Yeah, I I uh, had a lot of fun with this episode. Learned a lot, and I think the you know some big takeaways are not only the the tactics that he talks through in being a good steward of the resources God has blessed us with, but uh, and the wisdom that that accompanies that and his advice, but also just the the emphasis on self awareness and and the growth mindset of developing yourself to really really enhance and and. Uh, make your decision-making process that much more clear as you're doing important things like financial planning and, and uh, family planning and all that good stuff. So yes, yeah, really powerful episode. Olajuwon was amazing. Uh, you are absolutely going to enjoy this show. Go listen. You're listening to Filling the Storehouse Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Stuart. And we want to walk with you on the journey to living the abundant life through faith, family, and freedom. Our goal is to refine our why while helping you find yours. Together, achieve our best and highest purpose. In the end, we'll drive each other to intentionally fill our storehouse. My main man, Stewie, I am fired up. The details for our next retreat just dropped and can be found on our website. Dude, I'm stoked. Yeah, man, these Kinetic Men retreats, I come away from these things with my with my cup like completely filled. We have... Amazing speakers come and talk to us, amazing men full of fellowship, and we do fun things, we do hard things, and we just get after it. It's great. Go check it out. Come join us. All right. I, I can already tell that this is going to be an amazing conversation. We should have hit record like 15 minutes prior to to this conversation because there was a lot of gold nuggets that Delajuan brought uh, in, in pre-recording. So we'll just have to hit them all over again. Does that sound all right? Well, it- and I just want to make two points that were that were brought up beforehand. First off is a is a plus, and that's folks can't see, but Elajuan and myself share the same hairstyle, which is uh, which I think is critical. We've had a lot of we've had a lot we've of bald a, guests on the show. We've had a lot of guests. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal bald guests. And uh, but the second one was, you know, what I don't appreciate about Elajuan is that he didn't give us a heads up that he has a deep, silky, beautiful voice. And I think that it may overshadow uh, our efforts here. And But but that's good too, because it'll be a focus on him and, and what he's doing. And I'm super excited about today. <laughs> well, uh, that's our intro, Lajuan. If, if you will, uh, please uh, tell our guests about who you are and, and, uh, and what you do. Well, my name is Lajuan Ridgeway. I own AB Ridgeway Wealth Management. Um, I've been married for 15 years. I have four children, ages 12, soon to be 13, uh, 11, uh, five, soon to be six, and a four-year-old. And that's very crucial as a father to know their ages and when they're going to um, be maturing. Um, They're very picky about their ages at that point. But, you know, I grew up in the church. I had two uncles who had churches in my hometown. You know, one of my... you know, one of my uncles was kind of like the the youth kind of pastor. So they had vacation Bible school. They went out on trips. They visited different churches. So I spent most of my time there. And as anyone who grows up in the church, you sing the songs, you know, the scriptures, and you don't really think twice about religion. It's just something that you do. And it, it wasn't until I was maybe in my last few years working for an international investment firm that a client came in, as always, we would catch up on his life and discuss his accounts. But this time, he looked at my family and he asked me, you know, how's your wife doing? 
and normally I, you know, I would give the private, you know, she's fine. But for some reason, God put on my heart to tell him the truth. And during that time, she was suffering with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, she had flare-ups and anyone who's familiar with the autoimmune disease knows it's painful. And he said, well, what's her name? And I'm going to pray for her. I told him and he did something I wasn't expecting. He pulls out a book and he writes her name down. You know, kind of a little confused. I asked, you know, what was the book? And he said it was a list of all the names of people he prays for. He sits down and he calls out each of the names to God and send healing and, and whatever they need for prayer. And in all of my 35 years plus in the church, never, ever, ever, ever have I seen someone with a prayer book that actually prays for people. You know, I'll pray for you is usually like the Christian version of you have my sympathy. Um, it was usually something nice you just said, but he really did it. And it was at that moment I really started to take the word of God seriously because this elderly man who recently lost his wife was lost in this world, found comfort in God and providing comfort to others and was still clinging onto God's promise that if we call on his name, he can work miracles. And I want to be just like that. And I want to take this time to thank my family for one, for building the spirit in me all of those years so I could recognize God in this man. And can I tell you something? With rheumatoid arthritis, they say that your best day was yesterday because it's a progressive disease. It just keeps getting worse and hers was aggressive. And as we speak, her rheumatoid arthritis is gone. That's awesome. And if, and if that crazy. is not a reason to believe that he is true and living God, I don't know what is. So kind of like taking a step back to my journey, you know, it says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse nine, it says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And I was always a great student. I received honor roll all the way through college where I graduated cum laude from Grambling State University. I just wrapped up a job on the movie set, The Great Debaters, uh, with Denzel Washington as a production assistant. I moved to Paris, France to teach English. My next move was to go to Spain, learn Spanish, then come back to the United States for law school, study international law, and travel the world being a lawyer, right? Some pretty elaborate plans for a 20-year-old. But one day... I had climbed into the steps of the Sacre Coeur, the, the, the Sacred Heart in Paris. There's like hundreds and hundreds of steps. You could literally see over the top of the city. Um, and now I'm around 21 years old. I'm a college educated, money in my pocket, a bright future overlooking the city of love. And I just felt empty. You know, this couldn't be what life was about. Uh, and it says in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, that it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So I moved back to the United States. I married my wife in Tucson, Arizona. But the only problem was that I was in the middle of the desert with no job opportunities. You know, money was getting tight. I had a baby on the way and even Walmart wouldn't hire me to push baskets at night just to get some type of income because I was overqualified. So I kind of started to question myself. And, and like most people, like Abraham and, and even Jesus, you start to question God. You know, I was faithful. I was in the church. I obeyed my parents. And now I'm here in the desert with little to no money. And I'm starting to wonder, you know, why me? But I didn't give up. I didn't give up on my faith. And my last attempt was at a local bank for a teller position. And once again, they said I was overqualified. So as I'm walking out, they say, but we are looking for a personal banker. I literally almost fell down on my knees and was teary-eyed. And it's like, this was the opportunity I was looking for. I spent the next eight years with that bank 
By the time I left to open my own firm, I had created a book of business of 300 clients. I managed over $54 million in assets. And unfortunately, when you leave, those accounts are property of the firm. So I had to say goodbye to the people I had watched get married, those I helped save and invest to reach a happy retirement, those I helped get out of debt, those widowers and uh, widows, I helped settle their accounts after their spouses passed. And it was hard. And even the client who wrote my wife's name down, I had to leave them. And I didn't want to go to another firm and do that again, because a real firm is about relationships. So I created a firm where Christians can have a safe place to invest where they didn't have to keep their faith and their finances separate, where I was in control of the accounts and managed the relationships as well. So now I'm the owner of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, where we create financial plans for Christians who want to manage their money according to the word of God, who want to prepare for retirement or receive guidance in retirement so they don't run out of money. So that's a little bit about me. I love it, dude. It's, uh, hey, you know, it's such an amazing story how, how, at God's timing, right? right? When God's ready, uh, we'll, we'll set you up in a way on his plan. And it's not necessarily always your plan, right? Um, but if you, if you're open to it and your heart's ready for it, um, there, there will be blessings, abundance, um, for you, uh, if you're focusing there first. And, you know, we, we try to preach this message a lot. Um, I think they're, especially now in today's society, uh, I think there are a lot of men who are lost on, on that journey, uh, who, who don't right. know their purpose, who don't know the meaning, um, behind, you know, what they're doing in life. And they're just on this wheel and, and they're just trying to create more, more and more right. and more. Um, and so I'm curious, like, um, for you, what have you, what ha have you seen, um, you know, in this, I guess the Christian financial world that has, has caused, uh, that, you know, like for men, just, just seeking more all the time, right. Just right. not finding purpose, not finding uh, a mission. I, I think, you know, that's a loaded question, but I think it was the rite of passage mm -hmm. where we took that out of the family yeah. there in our society is not a strategic plan to convert young men or boys into men or into young men for that example. Uh, many traditions take kids at 10, 11, take them out to the woods, away from the village, away from you know the women and things of that nature. And they train them on hunting, how to survive, how to think, how to raise children, discipline, you know, uh, strength training, all those different types of variables. And I think our society is lost because now we have so much information about what it quote unquote means to be a man where that should happen inside the household and expand outward. But we have it inverted. We are looking outward for what we should do inside of our homes. And I think that is causing a lot of confusion because that's not how God intended. Right. Adam and Eve have the son. They till to the land. They tend to the animals. And inside that community, that's where they learn to be men. And I think for them to resolve that issue, they need to take control. So one of the things I recommend is retrace your steps to the place you feel most in control and work your way back out. So too many times when we get anxious, it means we are trying to control things that we don't have the power to control. Uh, my second tip is to do less thinking and more doing. You know, when you feel anxious, there's an imbalance in your life. When you think too much, there are no results. But when you act, when you get out there and execute, 
even something as small as self-care routine of washing your face, brushing your teeth, you are making a shift in your life. So don't discount the small things such as being able to feed yourself, you know, having a roof over your head or even the ability to read. Um, social media has made it a point to only post the highlights or the things you assume others will see as a victory. But there are hundreds and sometimes thousands of victories that we make. I'll make this one little comment here. Did you know that on a day-to-day basis, you make about 200 decisions as far as food is concerned? What to eat, how to eat between tomatoes and rice cakes, what restaurant to go to, how far to drive, um, how warm your food is going to be, if it's going to be a salad, if it's going to be a hamburger. You make over 200 decisions, and that's just about food, right? But those are small victories when you choose a healthy alternative to maybe fast food. That is a victory where you say, I've had enough food. I don't need to overconsume or have a second plate. Those are victories. They may not be social media ready, but they are victories and they need to be celebrated. And men need to be celebrated for making those choices, because I think a lot of times we are looking for validation of our manhood, because once again, we don't have this rite of passage where we say you are a man and every decision that you make is going into what makes up a man is going to be for the next generation. So it's very important. So um, my last point is that, you know, you're an accumulation of your past choices, right or wrong. So if you want to change something different, or if you want to change into something different, you have to make different choices. I didn't say think about different choices. I didn't say repeat affirmations about different choices. I said, you need to make different choices. And it's a revision. Nobody's going to be perfect. No decision. Every decision has two sides. Let me ask you one question. Have you ever seen a one-sided piece of bread? (laughs) Nope. No. Have you ever seen a one-sided pancake? No. No. So every decision you have is going to have some good. It's going to have some bad. But you have to be man enough to just stay true to your convictions. Understand that you're going to have another opportunity to make another choice. So just make it. Refine. And then improve. Don't try to make your fir- best decision your first decision. Man, there's a lot of lot of gold in that, dude. Wow, that you know, and I would encourage anybody. So I listen to podcasts at times too. Typically, I would uh, recommend going back and uh, maybe half speeding that just to let it sink in. Because I tell you what, there's so much gold there, and some of the biggest takeaways, you know, the, the things that the things that I find to be most important. You you mentioned taking action. That that is such a huge step, right? You know, and in, in our men's group, our mastermind, we, we focus around kinetic, doing something. Cause we all have a ton of potential. We are created with a ton of potential, but you got to do something about it and you got to turn that into kinetic. So I love how you highlight that. And dude, I, you know, I, I, uh, I absolutely love this, this idea of the rite of passage and, and, and not only the rite of passage, uh, um, but our responsibility to help shepherd our children through a rite of passage. And, I, and I'm just curious, do, do you have something specific? Is there, is there a tradition, a family tradition that you have, uh, you know, that, that you've enacted or that you guys maintain that, that helps to really drive uh, this rite of passage? It is. I am a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, and it is a collegiate organization that focuses on manly deeds, scholarship, and a love for all mankind. Right. Those those are the pillars that we stand upon. And during that process, there is a rite of passage. You know, while you're pledging, I'm not going to get into the pledging process, but there were some things you couldn't do. You know, no salt, no sugar. (laughs) You know what I mean? You couldn't be uh, seen in public. You had to have a certain academic um, record. You know, you had to learn discipline, discipline. You have to learn punctuality. 
being places on time and making sure that you follow through with your promises and things of that nature. And that really shifted my mindset from a young man into a true man, where we learn some of those poems like Woodyard Kipling of If. Um, we learn about, you know, different scenarios that you're going to be approached with in life and how to maneuver through some of those situations, whether it's um, child wearing, um, you know, raising your children in a home that's well-established and passing on your values and your beliefs and not just your money. So yes, um, I went through a certain rite of passage. And then also I actually went back to my own father and inquired about a rite of passage. So I sat down with my own father and says, listen, what do you want to teach me? If you knew that you were going to pass away in the next week or two, what are some of the things you would want me to pass on to my son? And we had that conversation. That was my rite of passing. I said, dad, are you proud of me? And he says, more than you know. And I says, perfect. Then I've done my job. And then I brought my son in. And I said, dad, before you pass away, is there something you want to tell my, my son? And he talked to my son about some of the lessons that he wanted me to pass on to him. So yes, sometimes we have to create our own rites of passage. Sometimes we have to go at it to establish something because we have no replica or something to emulate. But if we create it, we can build a legacy that can last generations to come. Yeah. And Stu, I'm sure you have a, an awesome question lined up, but man, I just want to really affirm that, you know, what you just said is so powerful. And, and it was making me emotional imagining not only hearing from, you know, my dad or somebody, you know, a man figure that I, that I highly respect. I'm very proud of you how that not only feeds life into, into our soul, but bringing your son in and having that same conversation is so powerful. And, and I think one thing I just really want to emphasize for our audience, that is not hard to, to do. That is not a difficult thing. I was, I was having a conversation with a, a guy the other night and seeing, he was saying, man, I think it'd be really, really powerful for our kids if everybody had six months of, of, uh, of service that they had to do like a boot camp." Or something, right? A, a rite of passage, effectively, is what he was talking about. But in my mind, it's like, no, well, how do I create the boot camp? That's my responsibility as a father to provide that experience to my for my children. And I love that idea. I'm gonna talk to my dad about it and to to breathe that life into my sons, right? And it's so easy. Like, dad, is there anything you want to say to these boys and to my daughter? And are you proud? Are you proud of? the people that we're becoming do that is that is absolute pure gold. I love it. Thank you. You know, I, I really appreciate it because I think a lot of fathers out here are lost is because there's a standard by which your father raised you by, and you're making all these decisions. You're buying your home, you're buying your car, you're getting married, you're having these kids, and you don't know if you've reached that threshold yet. You know, so you're just living in this abyss like, OK, do I have the, the education that he wanted? You know, do I have the kids and family? But when the father says you're approved because that's your idol, right? The father is your first hero. And when your hero tells me your hero status or tells you your hero status, that is everything. And that is the confidence you need. That's the validation you need. And you don't you can't get that type of validation from anybody. So no matter how many father figures that I had, no matter how many mentors told me how good I was, it was nothing compared to the man who raised me that says, you are approved, right? And I think the same thing with guys is, you know, we, I approve of everything that you do, helpful servant, 
right? That's what we're seeking. And we need to get that same type of um, validation from our fathers instead of looking for other people to make us feel good with awards and congratulations and balloons and confetti. I'm telling you, the the validation you get from your father is is incomparable. And to get it straight from the horse's mouth, as opposed to these stories, I think that's going to be invaluable for your children as well. Yeah, it's so good. There's a book uh, called The Intentional Father uh, by John Tyson. Uh, it talks a lot about that journey into manhood and, and setting up that rite of passage. I think he says he starts it at age 13 and does it for like five years until age 18. And then like, you know, you have like a, a knighting ceremony where you like, you become a man. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, but let's talk about planning as a father. Let's sure. talk about the responsibility um, that we have as men, that we have as fathers uh, for not only, you know, house planning, house management, life planning, but like, you know, financial planning, um, psychological planning, spiritual planning. Like, how does that all encompass as a father, um, you know, when it comes into your line of work? Well, I think the way you attack your finances is the way that you attack life. So that's why we relate a lot of the things we do to biblical principles, because I think if you are going to be successful in anything, you have to have a plan. Um, a lot of times when Abraham was calling out to God, he's like, what's the plan? Right. Um, you know, Moses goes up onto, um, you know, out and desert try to figure out, hey, God, what's the plan? You know, what are we doing um, to go forward? And I think a lot of people want to go this road by ourselves too many times. And it says in Proverbs that, you know, with um, no no counsel or few counsels, plans fail, but with many counselors, they are successful. And I think we are in a society that promotes introvertedness or says, hey, let's not get out there. You know, it's cool to be at home and to sit on the couch and it's good to, to white knuckle everything and just, you know, gritted. That's what men are. But we're we are social creatures. We need to get out there. We need to be in packs. And I think it's very crucial for us when we're planning to take the best of the people that we know and build this thing we call life. And so when you talk about finances, a lot of people think, well, I just do stocks and bonds. Oh, this guy is going to sell me a stock. He's going to sell me a bond. No, I don't. I can care less about what stock you pick. I can care less about what bond you pick. What I care about is how are we going to fund your child's education? If you think it's going to be done by having in a, a savings account where the inflation rate is negative 9%, mathematically, you're just you're out of your mind, right? But if you know that if you invest or allocate in a certain portfolio, that you're going to get a certain return or potentially uh, a certain return, that is the pathway. Um, I like to call it the road to Damascus, right? Because Saul's going now, he's, he's persecuting all the Christians. You know, and then Jesus tells him, hey, I got a plan for you. <laughs> right. So go into the town. This is what you're going to do. And then now Paul is one of the biggest figures in the New Testament. And, and I feel the same way about finances. And as a father is that when you plan your life out, when you say, listen, I don't know anything, but I'm willing to get on the road to Damascus and find my purpose and learn and internalize how to be a man and what I should do, you're going to be more successful. I think the problem is, is that we have 30, 40, and 50-year-olds who have arrested development. They are 20-year-olds 
who stopped growing and stopped learning after they got out of school. And now they're trying to teach another generation what a 20 year old knows. And it's like, even me, I am continuously learning. I am continuously growing. So when we talk about planning, planning, as I said before, a man's heart makes the plans, but God's God establishes his steps, right? So we can make those plans all that we want to, but God is going to lead us in the path that we need to. But if we don't have a plan, what is God going to guide you on? right? If we don't listen for his guidance, what's going, what's going to be the outcome? So as a father, I feel that you need to constantly be engaged with your child so you can shift when they shift. I think too many times we're rigid on our upbringing. This is how I was raised. This is how you're going to be raised. But, you know, it's a different dynamic. You know, it's a different life. I'll make this one last comment. They say every child that you have is raised by different parents. And I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. You know why every child that you have is raised by a different parent is because my daughter, when I raised her, I was young. I was in my 20s. But my youngest, he's four. I'm in my 30s, almost into my 40s. I am a different man raising this four-year-old than the 20-year-old who was raising my my first daughter. So he has a different parent, different strategies, different patience, different assets, and if I didn't plan that lifestyle for him, he, he what, what would happen? I would just be this 20-year-old still doing whatever I wanted, making all the same mistakes. And I encourage fathers out there, improve your skills. Being a father is a skill. That's something you need to invest in, whether that's reading, whether that's joining a men's group, speaking to other men that you want, other men where you want to be, um, almost like your kinetic group, fellowship. With people who share your same values, your same beliefs, so you know exactly where your goal is going to be and your finances will fall into place. You know, I tell them, man, you don't have to tell me what you love. Show me your show me your pocketbook, show me your checkbook, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what you love. Because your money love is going that. to be directed, it'd be directed into what you what you buy, where you put your money. See, me, I don't display my wealth with jewelry and houses and cars. I display it to my children. So when my children makes principles list, when my children know decorum in stores, when my children know how to eat at a restaurant, when my four-year-old has the vocabulary of a, a seventh grader, I know that is where my wealth is, is at. It's not monetary. So I just encourage all fathers is to rethink your idea of planning of what you're talking about as life and focus on building. And once you have your plan, execute, 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 and life will work out. Man, it, that is just so powerful. And and the intentionality of relationship really sticks out and, and not leaving any, we're going to make mistakes. We're fallible human beings. We're men. Uh, our children most likely will have something that they can see a counselor about in the future because of our impact on them. But it's, it's just an interesting idea and something that Stu and I have taken very, very seriously is the the level of intentionality in our relationships, especially with our children. You know, I was, I, you reminded me of a conversation I had with my daughter last night and she said something that surprised me. Um, we were talking about money. She said, dad, you owe me 20 bucks because I paid to get into the last couple of games. I said, well, you owe me tens of thousands of dollars because I've been investing since you since you were born. So how about that? And, and we just, you know, I was joking with her and we were going back and forth, but my goal, she's 11. My goal was by 12, maybe 13 is to take her investments and walk through a 
a, a real estate investment purchase with her and take her money, buy a house for her. She can go through that whole process and then she could she can earn the income from, from that house. But the intent was not, it's not about the money or the, the process. It's about putting things in their head that's different, that puts them in a place that I you know, got to in my 30s and 40s. And it's just a different level of awareness. But at the same time, it's it's a responsibility, right? It's a responsibility for me to grow myself, but also to provide an example for them to grow and give them all the tools, at least the tools that I have, and and try to grow that experience for them so that they can be, you know, they can enrich their lives and be in a different position. And, and, and so I just really appreciate what you're saying there and just that level of intentionality and bringing these kids to a different place. Because quite frankly, you know, where I was in my 20s financially and wisdom wise was not a very good place at all. And and so I, I love how you frame that. And, and one thing that, that you're talking about, and we were talking about this before we hit record but was authenticity as you were talking authenticity kept hitting me and we were talking about the context of podcasts but but give let's 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 have that conversation a bit again because i think it's very very important especially when you're talking about who we're pretending to be and and the just the the significant downfall like if i don't come to you and say hey Elijah, i need some help financially and you're a super smart guy. I'm going to humble myself. I'm not a smart guy. Help me out. The benefit to that and the, authentic, the authenticity and the, the the rewards that I can personally reap from your knowledge and reap from that are significant, unattainable without you, right? And so I'm just curious, you know, let's, let's talk about that authenticity and, and just the importance of bringing that to your relationships and your actions. Yeah, I think that's very important. I mean, even in relationships, when you're talking about a potential spouse, you know, the ability to let them know openly some of your weaknesses that you may have. Hey, listen, I've had trouble with this in the past. These are some of the issues that I struggle with. Um, they may manifest themselves in other areas of my life. Um, I'm here to say that I'm working on them. And that, that's being authentic to yourself. You don't have to hide. You don't have to switch. Now, I teach my son all the time about decorum and decorum in my eyes is time and place. There's a time and there's a place for everything. So you wouldn't go to a basketball court in a full tuxedo and then you wouldn't go to a black tie event in basketball shorts. Right. There's a time and place for everything that you're doing. Um, once you recognize that you can be authentic to yourself and how you express yourself in, in different ways and different forms. So when you go up to someone that you say, listen, um, hey, Mr. Ridgeway, I'm having trouble. I'm thinking about buying this home. Okay, I can help you. But if you come in here and says, hey, you know what? I'm a I'm a great real estate investor. You know, I have 80 homes. I have this, that, and there's like, well, why do you need my help? Right? You can't help those who don't seem that they need help. And there's nothing wrong with needing help. You know, we all need it at some point. Um, I love to uh, point to some of the blue collar workers that we have in our society, because I think they're very vital. You know, who is picking up your trash in the morning? Uh, my mailman came by, you know, I gave him a, a little Christmas gift like here. Thank you. Be, you know, the guys who fix your lights. There are people out here day and night. I'm in Louisiana and it's a big oil filled town here. A lot of men work offshore. Where do you think you're getting the gas and the oil to drive your cars? These men are risking these lives on 100-foot poles out in sea for months on end, sacrificing their time so you can have a little bit of electricity and you can get to your appointment on time. You know, we have to respect those people. So if 
we are humble enough to respect those individuals who are not the superstars or not the celebrities on TV, then we can be humble enough in ourselves to say, I need help too. So if I'm willing to accept that help and acknowledge that they are helping me be a better person and have an easier life, it's easier to approach a lawyer. It's easy to approach a financial advisor. It's easy to approach a tax preparer to say, listen, I am having trouble. I'm spending too much money. I need help. Or listen, I have a child. Um, I want to have, build generational wealth because what it says in Proverbs, a good man leaves an inheritance for their children's children, right? It didn't say, I want to 10x my money now and I'll not leave anything for my children, right? We're talking about generational wealth here. And I'm going to share something with you, if if you don't mind here, um, about selling your time. So it kind of links in with this authenticity. But I think when we're young, the only thing we're taught is how to sell our time. You know, what's the first thing your parents tell you to do? They tell you to go to school, invest into your future, right? So you make a trade-off of your youth to sit in class for eight hours a day, learn about George Washington and algebra and geometry. When you graduate, They have the knowledge. They don't have the time and they're willing to give you the knowledge and money for your time. So what does, you know, school do? They build these soft skills. You need to apply that knowledge. Can you complete an assignment on time? Can you research something you don't have a passion for and have the right answers? Can you take instruction and produce a given outcome? Are you punctual? Do you have decorum? Can you control your emotions in different situations? Can you think outside of the box and come up with different solutions that are not currently evident? This is what school teaches you. And think about it. The employer can't do all that work himself. You know, Jeff Bezos is not delivering packages and updating his website. So, so what does he do? He buys your time and he gets it at a cheap rate. Sometimes the minimum rate of $12 or $15 per hour of your life, depending on where you are. You know, do you know how much Jeff makes a second? He's making $2,537 per second as of October, you know, 2021. So he's making more per minute than some people make all year, or, you know, or more per hour than some people make per year. So do you think if you ask Jeff Bezos to move some boxes for an hour of his life and he promised to give you, you know, $15, do you think he would take it? No. If I, hey, Jeff, you know, keep moving some of these boxes for me, I'll give you $15. He wouldn't take it, you know? And, and why is that? Because he values his hour of life over yours. So is his life more important than yours? No, of course not. But we treat our life as if it is. Our lives belong to God, and that's where our loyalty should lie. So when we talk about authenticity, we should say, do I want to transform my life for this one hour to please this one person, or do I want to be authentic to myself and follow my own dreams? That is a question we need to ask, because when we go and sell our time to um, social groups or, or to, to volunteering or to the church or anything else like that, our first thought should be, what does God want in my life? How can I stay true to myself? Because what we do, we try to find this identity outside of places. You know, I must make this last point about being authentic. Um, a lot of people go on health journeys, right? So on Monday, they're they're eating, you know, fruits, vegetables, and and steak. Then they turn vegan on Wednesday, and then they wear the I'm vegan, I'm vegan, I'm I'm plant based, I, I do keto, you know, I'm this, I'm that, right? It's it's an identity, right? So it's what is truly your identity, 
And when you have to have these labels trying to identify you instead of just Stu and David, right? That's your name. That is your label. That's who you're supposed to be. But we we put a little sticker over those names too consistently. And then we don't know who we are. We're covering it up with different labels, trying to find out who we are instead of pulling the labels off and looking inside ourselves and saying, what do I want to create and not what, what, I, what do I want to label myself? And if we can make that switch, we'll have more time for ourselves. We'll have more time for our families, which is going to be the best, the best investment you can ever make. I love it, man. You know, so as, as, as a Christian wealth manager, let's get tactical for a second. Sure. Um, as how do, how do we, what are the strategies and how do we, as, uh, as you know, children of God be the best steward with this tool called money? Uh, and I know that's a very general, broad question, but, but, um, you know, as, as Christian men, how do we be good stewards of God's money and God's wealth? Well, that's a great question. My first step is to change your thinking about what life is. So if I ask you what's life, you're going to say life and death, right? Those are two stages of life. You know, you're born and you die. But as a financial advisor, our idea is before life, right? When your parents are, you know, they have you, you're conceived. We talk about life, you know, how you're living, your passing, and then what happens after you pass. So when you're talking about strategy, first of all, you have to identify what stage you're in and what stage you want your money to operate in, because that is going to be different. Your money is going to move and the strategies are going to be different if it's before life, after life, during life, or, you know, as, you know, uh, as, you know, as your parents are conceiving or you're looking for the next generation. Second, you need to identify what stage in life you are in. So um, there's four steps I'd like to talk about there's debt management, there's savings, there investments, and then there's wealth transfers. And identifying where you are will determine how you are going to invest in yourself. So if you're into debt management, you're $200,000, $300,000 in debt or whatever it may be, paying down that debt is going to be the best investment into your future, right? Because the interest on that debt, sometimes you have credit card debt is sometimes 19, 21, 22%. If you can reduce that principal and not pay that interest, that's more money that's going to stay in your pocket. And you won't risk putting money into the third stage, which is investing, and then go to zero. And that's everybody's mistake, right? Because they're so far in debt, they need the strategy, need something to get out. So they try to run to cryptocurrency, which is double, triple, and quadrupling their money into the moon and all these other promises. Um, they run into real estate that they don't have any cash flow. They don't have any leverage. They don't have good credit scores. That becomes an issue. So they invest in some of these low, low cost housing. And then they, it's, 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 it's a, um, deemed uh, unlivable or something like that, or they buy a Detroit house for $2 and they can't afford the taxes, right? Um, but that's debt management. They don't have a savings. So they don't have six to nine months of emergency savings, which is going to increase by each person that's in your household that doesn't have a stream of income. So if you have two streams of income, you can err on the smaller side, you know, six months to um, nine months. But if you have um, two working adults, and you have four children, you're going to need more than six to nine months, right? You may need 12 months. And if you have a business, I encourage all my business owners to have about 12 to 24 months of emergency savings because the cash flow, why do businesses fail within the first five years? Lack of cash flow. 
So we're not saving up before we jump into this tax preparing business. You know, we get into these Dave Ramsey uh, programs thinking we're going to be a coach, you know, full time because you don't want to work a nine to five. And that's a problem. Now we move into investing. So investing is where you've taken care of your 401k, you've you've you funded all your emergency, you don't have much debt, maybe a house or something like that, something very manageable at a low single interest rate. Now you make your decision. What is your passion? Is your passion homes? If your passion is home, invest in homes. I tell people don't always run to stocks and bonds. If your passion is your heart is in real estate, go to real estate because you know the market, you know your returns and you know your risk and reward. So when you know that you need a 20% down payment to buy this house, or if you want to take the equity out of one home to leverage, that is a strategy we need to come up with and says, what is the risk and reward and what can we do? Now, when you talk about wealth transfers, how are we going to move that from like David said, how are we going to move that into my child's name? How are we going to title those accounts? How are we going to add those beneficiaries? Those are strategies we'd come into. A lot of people think buying and selling is the only strategy when it comes to financial planning. It's not. This, the strategy is who's going to get what, when, and how do we reduce the taxes and keep more money in our pockets? <laughs> that's the strategy, you know, and uh, that's that's what we really need to focus on, on when we think about long term. It says, how do we keep the most money inside of our family? Um, we were talking off uh, off air about the crummy trust and and the the gift tax exclusion, which I think the estate tax is up to, I think, 12.6 million or something like that at this point. But we have to be aware of that. You know, because we don't want to get taxed forty percent. If you go over that gift exclusion, you know, you get seventeen thousand, I think, per year that you can give to per social. Um, if you're married, that divides right, that multiplies by two. But if you go over that twelve point million, you're getting taxed at forty percent. Nobody wants that, right? So we just have to be very careful about our labeling. Um, I'll give you one more example before we go, as far as strategy is concerned. If you love your kids equally, you will deal with them uniquely. So what a lot of parents do is say, hey, hey, I have a million dollars. I have four children. I'm just going to give my oldest son all the money, and then he's going to divide it amongst the other ones. No, we don't do that, right? Because he's entitled to 100% of the money. He has no right, or it doesn't have to give those kids that money because you didn't take the effort to say, hey, this kid is successful. I tell my parents, hey, I'm successful. Give a majority of the, the assets to my brothers and sisters. My allocation could be smaller than the other ones but they, they appreciated that and my other s- brothers and sisters appreciate that as well because they have kids they have some finances they need to take care of so when you love your kids um you uniquely excuse me if you if you love your kids uh, equally you'll deal with them uniquely and that's all i encourage and that's why i encourage you as a, a listener when you're developing these strategies to find out what's on your heart and how you could do that Pure gold, pure gold. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious. What I'm hearing a lot of what you're saying is that there is a huge amount of self awareness required to make a lot of these, a lot of these decisions. And it's whether you're living authentically, you have to be very self aware to understand who you are, so that you can be authentic to that person uh, and who you were created. Uh, and and you know what you just mentioned. There's just a, a high level of understanding your why, where you are in those four stages. I mean, there's it, it, it's extremely powerful. And I'm curious because I, I feel like a lot of us, especially men, are not willing to put in the work required to be self-aware. And the, the, the gifts of being self-aware 
our understanding of your core values, your why, your purpose, all these things that you know we we spend a lot of time in our mastermind months developing each of these things. And, and I'm just curious, what are you doing? What's the time that you're spending and how are you spending that time to grow yourself? Because because you strike me as a man that is extremely self-aware, which has added a ton of clarity, not only to your, to your purpose and your mission and what you're doing in your life, but also in the messaging that you're giving to, you know, on your podcast, to your children and everything you're doing. I think the first thing is cut out distractions. That's the first thing you need to do because everybody's marketing to you. Everybody is trying to sell you a lifestyle. Um, they are trying to promote themselves and that can drain you of finding your authentic, authentic self. So one of my recommendations is to one, turn down the noise, get quiet and write down what do you want in this world and whatever's on that paper. I don't care what it is. Stick to it. If Use that as your benchmark on how are you going to be authentic to yourself and don't allow someone else's lifestyle to distract you from that. Um, a lot of people, they try to distract you with name brands. Listen, I have my wife has this purse or I have this car. Or I have this. Or, that is a distraction from your main purpose. When you say, well, my friend, they travel, you know, four times a year. I want to travel four times a year. You are being distracted from your core purpose. Um, I'll, I'll give you this example. Um, when I was younger. The place to go was Paris, France, period. Um, all the girls wanted to go to Paris, France. All the TV said that you should go to Paris, all this other things, right? Where's What city is it now? Dubai. Everybody wants to go to Dubai. Everybody wants to see the luxury cars. Everybody wants to see the buildings. So that's all marketing. Once I realized that this world is nothing but a big marketing and sales environment, it made me think that these people didn't really care about my true feelings. All they cared about was attracting me into whatever that they were doing. So when you focus on yourself, and this is what I do too, um, I actually retouch, I revisit some of my spirituality pretty consistently. Um, I try to meditate about 30 minutes a day, um, just turning down the noise. Write down what you think that you want. Stay focused and write down, I want you to write down two people you think can help you get there. And those are going to be some of your guides because we all need mentors in different spaces. The problem what we, we get is that we try to have the same mentors for the same space. And that's where we get confused. So my, my father is my mentor when it comes to fatherhood. So I align him. I also have a uh, hundred black men in Lafayette, which is another mentoring group we, they align with my values. This is who I go with, right? When we talk about purpose and, and pursuit, when we talk about podcasting, there's the Christian Podcasting Association. That's who I deal with. When I talk about podcasting, that's where I go. So when you're sitting down here, it's almost like that uh, kind of like the, um, that mentor mentee perspective. Okay. So what you're going to do, you're going to find somebody who is where you want to be. And then you're going to find somebody that you can mentor who wants to be where you are. That's going to do two things for you emotionally as far as authentic, uh, your authenticity to yourself. One, your mentor is going to be able to confirm or discount what you're doing. They're going to say, this is either good or this is bad or this is not going to get you where you need to be because they've been there. Second, you're going to be able to mentor your, your mentee and say, hey, this is what I've learned. This is what you need to know. 
right? Because when you teach, you learn what? You learn twice. So this gives you an opportunity. And what that, that's going to do is give you confidence in yourself because you have somebody looking up to you. And that's what we want, right? We want somebody to look at. That's why we have children. You want our children to look up to us. So if we can do those things. We could be authentic and be happy. When somebody says, Elijah one, um, why aren't you the top one financial planner in uh, the U.S.? I said, well, because I serve Christians. My niche is pretty small. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm happy being the voice of Christian finance. That's good for me. I don't need to be Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan has a whole different niche. That is not my idol. That's not who I look up to. I enjoy his podcast. He has some interesting things going. But at the end of the day, I'm me. And my legacy is only going to last based on the people that I impact. And that's what we want. We don't want our legacy to be uh, this uh, compilation of other people nobody knows. We want our legacy to be ours. And that's all we have at the end of the day is our memories and the legacy that we live behind. Don't reflect on your life when you're 80 years old and see other people you want to see yourself. And Elijah, this is uh this has been a really, really fun conversation. I've really enjoyed this. Uh, I, I appreciate your insight, man. You've you've dropped some 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 gold bombs today, man. Uh, I know our our, our listeners are going to get uh, a ton of value out of this conversation. Um, where can we send uh, people to to go find out more about you? Um, we'll put it in the show notes. Sure, if they want to hear more from me, I do a podcast as well. Financial advisors say the darndest things. We have over 135 episodes. And as I said before, it's a Christian finance podcast where we teach our listeners how to be rich and righteous. And that riches is not just wealth. It's about fatherhood, discipline, values, and beliefs. Because if you don't have those, you cannot be wealthy. Money does not make you rich. Money does not make you wealthy. Um, I'm going to say this one little thing. There's two ways to be wealthy. You can either have everything that you want or want everything that you have. I hope that you choose the latter. Mm. And if you go to our website, www.abrwealthmanagement.com backslash podcast, you'll find a free Christian finance resource to download four biblical principles every Christian should know about investing and building generational wealth. And if you're afraid of running out of money in retirement or need an advisor that shares your faith, your values and beliefs, you can schedule a free consultation and we'll be happy to discuss how we can turn your financial plan and align it with the word of God. I love it. I love it, Elijah. Thank you so much. I, I, uh, you know, before we go, I just want to to affirm you. Uh, You know, I think Stu and I are huge believers that when you have your finances in order, it also opens up doors for you to be the person that you're created to be. Right. I think we, a lot of times, if if we're not, uh, you know, doing the things that you just highlighted, especially being very grateful for what you have, we get stuck in this rat race. We get stuck in this more and more and more. And we, we, we just, we, it's a path to regret. We don't realize all the blessings we have around us. And, and you're making that very apparent. You're making that clear to folks. You're helping them to see, to grasp, to achieve who they're, they're created to be. And, and I just, I, I'm full of gratitude for you, for the time you've spent, for the knowledge that you've given us. And uh, I just love your mission and your dedication, your passion, because a lot of men that are not as clear as you are would potentially be pursuing something like, oh, number one, top percent of financial advisors. But you're so clear on your purpose, your God-given abilities, your gifts that, uh, you know, I think I think your number one and your giftings are going to be seen on the other side. I think your treasure is is uh, where your heart is, which is in the, in the right place. And you're going to realize a vast, vast abundance and blessing. Uh, not only here, but in, but in heaven. So thank you so much thank, thank for everything you. that you do, brother. You might, you might, if I say one more thing, um, no, please. I, I want your listeners to know 
that if they're thinking about investing for future generations, if they need help, start now. Do it now. You know, one of the problems we talked about earlier I come across in my business is the fear of judgment. You know, many of our clients are successful executives and to admit that they don't have it all together financially can be a very humbling experience. But I'm here to say it's okay. We all can be great, but we all can't be great at everything. You gained your wealth by being great at your craft. You know how to make money. You know, let someone help you protect your money and not according to our will or their will, but to the will of God. So if you're out there, you're a Christian and you really want to not just the numbers, but change your perspective on how to be good stewards, as Stu said before, of God's wealth, then you you want to choose a, an investment firm that shares that that mission with you. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Hey, guys and gals, reach out, reach out to Olajuwon. Uh, if you like this episode, hey, share it with somebody. We greatly appreciate it. That's, that's the biggest compliment we can get is, is by you telling somebody about our podcast, telling something about Olajuwon and his wealth management firm. Uh, we'll put his show, his uh, information in the show notes. Um, and uh, hey, most important, let's all go fill the storehouse. Yeah. Thank you, friends. Thank you, Lajwan. Make it a great day. See you. Uh, all right. Take See care. Stewie, uh, absolutely loved, loved this episode. Lajwan, just a wealth of knowledge. I'm extremely encouraged by by that, that episode and just some of the stuff that we talked about. But it's also it's it's very validating to um you know to to see the connection between self-awareness and growth and and tie that to the other important parts of our life which include financial planning and and setting up our you know our legacy from from that perspective as well just just so much gold in this episode i i uh i'm i'm leaving it very encouraged and also just what a great conversation man what a great dude yeah, for sure, man. And and the responsibility, right? Taking responsibility for your family, taking responsibility as the as the man of the household, as the father, um, and you know, taking your children and teaching them well uh, about finances, about you know your spiritual health and your psychological health, and all of these things that we discussed in this episode um, is is aligned so well with what we're trying to do uh, in all things storehouse and the storehouse mastermind and our real estate businesses. Uh, in a podcast. Um, such a good conversation. I uh, am truly fired up uh, to go be the best husband I can be, the best father I can be, the best friend I can be. Um, and, you know, we really want to help men on that journey become a hero. Um, and that's through the Storehouse Mastermind. If you want to come join us, uh, you know, we're continuing to open up houses. We're continuing to do men's kinetic men retreats. Uh, come join us. Come be a part of the community. You can go to storehouse310.com backslash mastermind. Check it out. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Very true. All true things. Uh, maybe focus on being a better friend. Maybe above mm -hmm. the other things for just temporarily. But outside of that, love it. Awesome advice. Come join like-minded men. Be different. Be better. Giddy up. Giddy up. Thank you, friends, for listening to Filling the Storehouse. If you are growth-minded, community-focused, and willing to take uncommon action to redefine success and live an abundant life, visit our website at www.storehouse310.com to see all the ways we can connect. Yeah, on our website, you can find information on everything we're doing, like joining our meetup page to get the details on our webinars and our local Thursday gatherings here in Colorado. 
From our site, you can also find information on and sign up for our next retreat. Finally, we always appreciate your love and support. Please share this episode and go rate us on your podcast player of choice. Thank you again. Now go fill the storehouse.